Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Second hour is here. Outkick 360 is back. Old Smoky Moonshine. We are back. Yeehaw Beer at 6th and Peabody. Tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 o'clock a.m. Eastern. Outkick the tailgate from Tuscaloosa live at Innisfree. Nick Saban autographed. Uh, We've got an autographed football. Jersey. uh, Not a football. Helmet. You're right. A helmet and a jersey from Nick Saban. We're giving away on site. If you're listening in Muscle Shoals, Fox Sports Shoals, uh, Huntsville, Florence, Alabama, and you're going to the game, swing by tomorrow morning. Say hello to us. Let us know you listen to Fox Sports Shoals and make sure you enter to win the great prizes, autographed items from the GOAT, Nick Saban. You know what? I'll up the ante. If you're listening right now on our, on our affiliate in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and you are a Bama fan, and you are coming down for that game, and you go to the show, and you tell us that you listen on the, in Muscle Shoals, I will buy you a drink or your meal. That's it. Wow. That's, that's my Ooh, offer. Wow. Come up and say that to us, and I, it's, it's on me. I suspect that this could be a little bigger than I, uh, Chad suspects. I, I expect Nick and, and Chuck down in, well, in Florence, Alabama to get a caravan going let me, let me specify. The first person who does that, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I don't want to get too carried away. Oh, the immediate lockdown. No, I, I, that's what I intended to say. But then the way you guys said it, I'm like, you know, I didn't specify. I didn't specify the first person to do it. And then if we've got 40 Bama fans, just a group's like, hey, guys, get Martha and the kids and come on. Let's go. Where's Withrow? Uh, Fox Sports Show's here. Uh, The Withrow line should form to the left. The bus is here. Menus menus are on one side. Drink order. uh, The drink menus on the... Just flip it. Yeah. It's going to be like Dumb and Dumber. Like, make tab. it a round of Boilermakers <laughs> for me and the crew. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get you guys some beers? Make uh, it a round of Alabama, good thing you adjusted Alabama that Slammers. Quickly. Good please. thing you adjusted that quickly. Yeah, first person that shows up and says that, I will buy. You know what? And I'll probably buy you a beer, even if it's more than one person. Bobby that? Carpenter uh, will be joining us in 15 minutes. We'll be pre- previewing the college football weekend. We'll be doing that tomorrow morning as well for Outkick the Tailgate, presented by Farm Folio. And uh, the top game of the week, Auburn and Texas A&M. Really intriguing matchup here. If Auburn can get past A&M, 13 versus 14 here, and this is a CBS uh, marquee matchup at 2.30 Central. If Auburn gets past A&M, Chad, they're set up for a Iron Bowl that will impact the SEC championship in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, Auburn controls their own destiny right now. Alabama does not. Uh, it's the Auburn Tigers that control their own destiny. This is the number two ranked defense in the SEC versus the number three ranked defense in the SEC. Love the defensive matchup between both of these teams. Bo Nix has been a lot better. Tank Bigsby has been really good. And then ever since that win over Alabama, A&M has found their footing with Zach Calzada at quarterback. Very rough start for them. Uh, but they're in the top 20. In the, uh, in the top 15 in the college football playoff rankings for a reason. So really like that matchup. That is clearly the number one SEC game of the week. 
I've got as my number one game of the week also. And quickly, Oregon at Washington. This is really Oregon's biggest chance to lose. Right now, they're fourth in the college football playoff ranking. they got a couple other tricky games coming up also. Uh, Oregon State, surprisingly, being one of those. But Oregon at Washington. Washington's not great, but only a seven-point line in that game. And then number three, Mississippi State at Arkansas. This is that great battle in the middle of the SEC West and how quickly you can fall in the SEC West. Arkansas was the story of the first month and a half of the season. They are in last place in the SEC yeah. West right now. Disappearing. It can, it can happen quickly, but they are a five-point favorite at home. Really like that matchup between those two. A&M and Auburn, uh, it, it, you could say this about many SEC matchups, but definitively on Saturday, it is the front of both of these teams and which offense can get the run game going. Bixby's been able to do it at Auburn, and we know A&M is, is capable of doing that too with Spiller and A-Chain. And I, I, A&M's been more consistent at that since we saw them against Alabama. And that's why A&M, a lot of people were picking A&M to win this game. They, they feel like A&M will run the football in Auburn. I think that's the key. I mean, both these teams have been great defensively. And, uh, you know, Brian Harson has Auburn... It's so strange to think about their season early on. You know, they, we thought, boy, that's a great showing by Auburn at Penn State. Well, now Penn State's lost three in a row, and they don't look the same. Um, and then they almost lose to Georgia State at home, really had a miraculous comeback, pulling Bo Nix from that game to beat, to beat Georgia State. And then Bo Nix gets it rolling, and, and they look really good, and that defense has come of age. But you're right, Hutton. It's all about, with A&M, this is a and sort of the throwback of the conference right now. This is the way Jimbo Fisher wants to play back in 2001. And they have it to is, now. It is defensive line play. It is a mauling run game. Yes. And with Zach Calzada, you're right. They're not going to chuck it all over the place. Mike Elko is one of the best defensive coordinators in football. This is, this is kind of a throwback game between Auburn and A&M. It's all going to be about who controls the line of scrimmage the best, who can run it the best. Uh, I I love this game as the uh, you know the, the CBS nationally nationally it's televised per, game. It's in the perfect. Afternoon. It's a perfect choice. Yep. And to me, this game determines whether or not we will look at the season and say, you know what, that was a good season for Bo Nix, or you know what, this was an underperforming season for Bo Nix because it's been very up and down, and he's consistent as of late. He's won me over, and he has screwed me over in some bets earlier this year because I've bet on Bo Nix and he hasn't delivered. Uh, not his fault, my fault. But this is one of those games where you look at and you, and you think, okay, everyone's starting to buy into consistent Bo Nix now. And now that he's on the road in that environment, are we going to see good Bo Nix or bad Bo Nix? Good Bo, bad Bo. And I think it, the answer to that question determines if it was good or bad Bo season because it's been very back and forth. And you need good Bo rolling into iron no, bowl no doubt well let me take it a step further also um by the way auburn with two i should also point out they have lost one sec game to georgia this year this is a season defining week for a couple of teams a&m on the flip side not just for bo nicks and you're right about that this game determines whether or not their season's a success i, I believe that yeah if th- they were preseason top 10 it looked like there was no way. We had Billy Lucci on in College Station who covers the team, and we asked him, who's the bigger disappointment, A&M or LSU at the time? He said, oh, it's hands down, A&M. This was the morning of their win over Alabama. It's, it's definitely A&M is the most disappointing team in the country, in, in the SEC. 
So A&M, with only two losses right now and a win over Alabama and possibly a win over Auburn, they can define their season as a success based on expectations with a win against Auburn. I think Tennessee's in a similar situation and Kentucky. If Kentucky beats Tennessee, they can still go on and go 10-2. and two. And you're saying, boy, that's a great year for Kentucky. Mark Stoops mm-hmm. has things rolling. If you lose to an unranked Tennessee team in year one under Josh Heupel, that changes the complexion of the season. Flip side of that, for Tennessee and Josh Heupel, beat Kentucky. You are on route to have a greatly successful year at 7-5 and five and going to a decent bowl game. Lose to Kentucky, you're going 6-6, six and six, and that's pretty good. But you've beaten well, that's not nobody, great. Yeah, like I mean, we that's, talked about. You did what was expected, and you look good in those wins against bad SEC People teams, and that's great, and you're excited, but it's not a great season. No. It's a good season. But that's this is kind of the that's defining line this week for A&M, for Kentucky, for, uh, for Tennessee. I think that this is – because after this, with some of these teams, they're just not playing yeah. much of anyone. And with t- in Tennessee's case, they're playing Georgia on CBS at 2.30 the next week. And it's going to be a bloodbath. It's a battle. foregone conclusion. Right. And then the other three should be foregone conclusions also. Chad, are you buying Bo Nix? I am. I, we're seeing now Bo Nix. I mean, it, he's, we've seen it throughout his tenure. Are you nervous about it's that? Just, I'm nervous just, about saying that. Duty. I love what I've seen in the last month. But the beginning was really bad when he was getting benched and uh, couldn't play. Was it on the road? Uh, I mean, he it was bad Bo Nix was really bad. Home. Here's, here's my take on Bo Nix. And this is why I don't think he's ever going to be a really good NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. Bo Nix is not great in scheduled passing game. When it is a called pass and it is a two read option with routes or whatever, you know, whatever the, the play call is, he's not that great of well, a quarterback. Well, that's the baseline for NFL. Exactly. <laughs> Bo Nix, though, is electric when it's a called run or when it's an off schedule play. We saw it with that miraculous touchdown throw in Baton Rouge against LSU where he's rolling. Spinning around, running, rolling to his left, throws it in tight coverage for the touchdown against LSU. Uh, that that's just who Bo Nix is. But Bo Nix in college, Bo Nix at Auburn, I, I think he's figured it out to be consistent within who he is. He's never going to be a great drop back passer, pro pro style quarterback. But what he is for this Auburn offense, I think works. And I am buying it, Hutton, because I think he's figured it out to where he can have some level of consistency. He's going to have to throw the football well against A&M. That, that's how you beat the Aggies defense is in uh, through the air. Yep. So you, you he's got to be consistent there. But, hey, credit to – he outplayed Matt Corral against Ole Miss. He outplayed him uh, definitively. So, Matt Corral was hurt, but yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but, but he's still out – you're right. But he we've seen him. Corral play hurt and play well at the same time. And he, and he missed a portion of that game but came back in with the ankle. Um, but yeah, he was, mean, he, you're right. He's also hurt against LSU and they blew out LSU yeah. mm-hmm. while he was injured in that game after the Tennessee game. But I think that Bo Nix has figured out the way to be consistent within who he is. You're also right though, Hutton. They are going to make Auburn prove it through the air. Have to. This is a, we are going to sell out to stop Tank Bigsby in the run. We're going to sell out to stop Bo Nix running it. And you're going to beat us through the air. And he's going to have to do that to win this game. In the NFL, uh, the headline today is Odell Beckham Jr., who is no longer a member of the Cleveland Browns. They've agreed to go their separate ways. Um, Reports are that the social media disdain caught Cleveland off guard after deciding not to trade him. Everything that's happened and played out this week over social media caught the the organization off guard. Um, They've agreed to terms on whatever it is after he goes unclaimed on waivers uh, to make it that 
it, it, it makes it easy for Cleveland to digest the fact that they're getting rid of Odell Beckham Jr. and a malcontent in the locker room who, uh, by reports, hates his quarterback. Baker Mayfield can't play with him anymore. Um, Paul, this is more of an Odell problem than a, a Cleveland problem. Absolutely. I mean, Cleveland's fine. They've been fine without him being They've a big balanced. factor in the, in the passing game. Um, <clears throat> it did take a little bit long. Um, daddy getting involved certainly <laughs> when you're talking about the social media end, that's been yeah. the big social media end. Um, it's remarkable when a talent like that just um, causes such such a stir, and when you're better off without him. I, I'm always amazed when when a guy who's so talented puts a team in a position where the team is better off without him, and they've been better off without him for some some time. Um, the other thing that they're negotiating, people are like, what are they negotiating? And it, it is puzzling. But when you're a high-priced veteran, not even high-priced, but when you're a veteran, you get this, and it's become more of a thing now. One time when you're cut in your career, you get termination pay if you clear waivers, uh, which he will clear, or, or, or which he might not clear. I, well, I, don't know. I think it's expected termination he will. Pay, if Deshaun Jackson was at claim because no one has cap room for him. Right, and so nobody has cap room for Beckham. So if you clear waivers, you get termination pay, which is basically what you would do. Mm -hmm. And I think what they've negotiated here is something like that. Hey, we're not going to release you to get this termination pay unless we negotiate something where you're not getting all of it if this you're not a, claimed. This is a crossroads move for him because yeah, this is it. You I know, mean, he's 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 uh, he's talked bad. He talked bad in an interview years ago with with uh, Little Wayne about Eli Manning. Um, and now, you know, Steve Smith is going on Thursday night football pregame on Odell's behalf, you would have to assume, talking trash about Baker Mayfield. Receivers defend receivers to uh, more yeah. so than any position. Yeah, but I, I mean, this was this was pretty obvious Personal. what Steve Smith was doing, right? Um, at least I took it that way uh, in watching it, where he said, look, hey, Baker, you're not good. This is on you. This is about Odell not wanting to play with a bad quarterback. And I'm paraphrasing there, but it's it's pretty clear that Steve Smith didn't come up with that on his own. Um, and, and more power to Odell Beckham if he feels that way. Whatever. He's, he's getting what he wants here. But this is a pattern now of two consecutive teams that have traded. And Armando Salguero yesterday put it well. Pro Football Hall of Fame talent, but not the resume. And the potential to put up the resume was some of the catches and acrobatic moves that he's put on throughout his career. Awesome guy on the field. Off the field, time to put it together and actually bring something uh, that, that produces in the postseason and produces more consistently than what we've seen with the Giants and with the Browns. Here's the thing that's puzzling if you look at it broadly. Antonio Brown was way more troubled than Odell Beckham, right? He had off-the-field serious stuff that had to be sorted out. And people wanted him. Oakland wanted him. Yeah. New England wanted him. Tampa Bay uh, ultimately wanted him, got him. And, and he's producing for them when he's healthy. Odell Beckham, a talent of probably the same caliber when he's going, right? There's no thirst, though. We're not hearing about thirst. There's not stories about the mad dash to get Antonio Brown or who's claiming him on waivers or all of that. 
So there must really be stuff there under the surface that teams are learning about, hearing about, or a desire thing. Antonio Brown had all this messed up stuff, but there was no question that Antonio Brown wanted to play football. Maybe Odell needs to go play with Brady. I mean, someone's <laughs> going to sign him, right? And that, that's, yeah. to me, the obvious next question. The most interesting one is who, where does he fit the best? Yeah, and does he, he wants to play for a winner. Yeah. Right? They all want to play for winners. But does a winner want him in the locker room when he wasn't healthy for Cleveland's locker room? Or does he end up in Detroit? I don't know why he would go sign with Detroit. Well, like, that doesn't make sense. I, I don't know. I, he, he's going to have his pick here. Yeah, there still could be a waiver claim. Like, there are teams yeah, with, with money who, you know, could use a big splash. But it's dangerous. Well, if you, if you claim him, you feel like you're in contention and in week 10 and um, some teams are going to try to sell that other teams are not like Denver for instance they're getting rid of Von Miller why would they claim Odell right. Beckham Jr. Yeah they're not Doesn't and they, they're sense. pretty good at wide receiver overall but if you need a boost if you're looking for depth or if you just had an injury or if you have an injury happen this weekend that's a that's a quick move that you can make with someone that's available all of a sudden first team I think of he clears waivers reclamation project team New England Patriots Patriot yeah that's a good example of one. Um, and maybe some other, a couple of examples in the NFC Raiders as well. maybe with rugs out. Yeah, or the Saints, you know. Saints with Michael Thomas not coming back. Those are three good ones right there, top of the list. We've got a good one coming up with Bobby Carpenter, uh, former Ohio State Buckeye, Dallas Cowboy linebacker, and now with OutKick, it's time to preview the college football weekend in depth. That's next on OutKick 360. The Titans and Rams face off Sunday night football. Adrian Peterson being signed to the Titans active roster earlier today. We will uh, dive into those topics and more coming up on OutKick 360. Right now, we turn our attention to college football. Bobby Carpenter of OutKick.com, our guest, uh, does great work at the site uh, and, of course, on his radio show in Columbus, Ohio. Bobby, hope you're doing well, man. Oh, I'm doing great and how fantastic is it to have uh, Adrian Peterson back in the NFL replacing Derrick Henry you know, with his, uh, his injury. I'm excited to see what a guy who came in a year has left you know, when he's in his mid-to-upper 30s. Excited to see just uh, what, what the Titans offense is capable of. They claim they're going to stick with their identity of running the football. Uh, distribution of the football will be a lot different, however. Uh, we see a lot of uh, run game on full display. Auburn and Texas A and M uh, this weekend. We mentioned earlier this is one of those games where you know Bo Nix, if he plays well, Bobby, we, we say, hey, good season overall based on what he's done this year. Uh, if it if it goes awry again, it's okay. Yeah, back and forth throughout the year, we bought into Bo Nix a couple of times, and uh, he proved us foolish. How does this game go tomorrow? Tomorrow afternoon at A&M between the Aggies and the Tigers. You know, I wish I had a ton of insight that I could pour into this thing and say, hey, this is what Bo Nix is going to be. This is how the game is ultimately going to look. Uh, but unfortunately, like it's been a season of good Bo Nix, bad Bo Nix. When he plays well, Auburn Tigers, they're a pretty darn good football team. When he doesn't, they struggle mightily. He looks good against Ole Miss. If he just takes care of the football – He's able to convert on third downs. 
you know, if he doesn't, you know, put it on the turf and he's efficient, I think they've got a really good shot at winning. Tank Bigsby's been pretty good for him. I think that old miss win gave him confidence. They're about four and a half point dogs, you know, taking on AM. I like to see Auburn pull out the win because I want to see that game at the end of the season mean something. Because you got to keep in mind, I mean, Auburn still really controls their own destiny in the in the SEC West should they find a way to beat Alabama. Bobby, what was your reaction when you saw Cincinnati at number six in the first college football playoff ranking? Uh, you know, I think I was, it was disappointing. You know, they've got a, a quality win. You, know, you look at some of the schools that have quality wins there. Um, you know, Oregon beat Ohio State. You've got Michigan State beating Michigan. And then you have Cincinnati beating uh, Notre Dame. And those are top 10 quality wins that are all sitting there with teams that are clustered around them. So the fact that they were sitting there ranked at six with the best part of their schedule already behind them, I'm not sure exactly what you want them to do to be able to have success. I, I almost feel like this they might leave Cincinnati out simply they need to expand. Jacob, we'll reconnect with uh, Bobby Carpenter uh, coming up in a couple of minutes there with the, the Wi-Fi going in and out. Um, he's like us, though. If there was a week to put Cincinnati into college football playoff, this was the week. Then because you can play them out. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. You uh, you allow the other teams who you feel are deserving. They, they clearly think that the Oregon win over Ohio State is deserving. That's fine. You can feel that way. You can allow Ohio State and Oregon to continue to win, and then eventually you move them up. I, I mean, to me, the slight is not including them now, not necessarily keeping them out on December the 5th. The other thing is, the more I've thought about it, like Oregon has probably the best win, but also has the worst loss. And there's no counterbalancing of those two things. Like, they should come out neutral. Unless you feel that the A&M upset to Alabama was worse at the time. But even then, I don't think people were... Stanford's I mean, a worse loss, right? Yeah. Because, yeah, A&M is in the top but know, no 20 one, of the rankings yeah. right now. Yeah, and, well, and the respect factor of the SEC is a lot different than what's going on out west. Well, and it's all about the lack of respect factor, too, right. for a group of five. That's right. I mean, the message is clear. You have no chance. SEC is king. Big Ten is is right below them, and Power Five reigns supreme, which we all knew. And it's more to me about not giving them. It's just the message being sent. This is the best you can do now with our first ranking and your win at Notre Dame, breaking that long winning streak for the Irish, and your sixth. Deal with it. Yeah, that, that's the message to Cincinnati, plain and simple. It's just not. Uh, I mean, it's never never going to happen. Well, in the current setup. But to me, it was it was just uh, it was just easy to include them now based on their resume, and then allow allow other teams to play their way in. And you could also say, well, here's a team that's joining the Big Twelve, right? Cincinnati can be in the mix, and it, TCU has been in the mix years ago. So why not include them as they go to a, a Power Five conference? Now's the time to include them based on what they've done and where they finished last year. I mean, this is not like a fluke season for Luke Fickle. Yeah, it's it's. this is where it gets dangerous, though, with these, these rankings because the Alabama defense for them at number two from a lot of people that, that write and cover college football in the South or from Alabama fans is, oh, people have a problem with Alabama who's won this many national titles and been in this many playoffs, 
being number two in the country. And I'm thinking you can't do that. Right. It's all about this year. And I'll have to say the same about Cincinnati. Yes, in my mind, I'm thinking I saw them play Georgia down to the wire in a bowl game. You know, I, I, I've seen them do this now for, for consecutive years where they're really good, but you can't do that. It's got to be about this season and what you've done this season. And far too often, we fall into this trap of looking at past seasons, looking at future prospects, looking at, you know, uh, rankings and, rec- and recruiting and how many NFL draft picks you have. It's just got to be about the body of work this year. And we get away from that. And that's just natural human logic to start thinking about those things. And I think too often it you see it, you see it infest what should be a ranking about resumes this year. I will not tolerate an infestation. No infestation. Let's check in with Bobby Carpenter again. Bobby, if if not Cincinnati, who should be the fourth team this week? Is it Oregon? Um, it's tough because, like you said, I mean, you, when you look at Oregon, you try to figure out they've got that bad loss. Obviously, they played Ohio State really tough, uh, and that looked good. But there's so much of the committee, I guess, they kind of base on how you're playing right now. You know, for my money, you know, you've got Georgia in there for certain. I think you've got Michigan State for certain. You know, do you put Bama in there? Where are they located? I wouldn't have been upset if you put Cincinnati in there at four, Oregon at five, and Ohio State at six. That seemed like it probably would have been logical to me based upon what we've seen thus far and how some of these teams have played. Bobby, am I crazy to think that Ohio State and Nebraska has a good shot at being a really close game in the fourth quarter, given even with Nebraska's bad record, given how they played Michigan, given how they played Michigan State, only a 15-point line. What do you think about this matchup? You mentioned those two games. You also look at Oklahoma. I mean, Nebraska has featured in losing one-score games this year. That has been what they've done. Now, when they've won, they've blown people out. But they've just find, they found a point in time, and a lot of it goes back to the quarterback, Adrian Martinez, where he finds a way to make it an inopportune play at an inopportune time, whether you know it's a critical turnover late, an errant pass, but it's usually one of those turnovers that kind of turns the tide of the game. Heck, they had that Michigan game right in front of them for the taking, and they couldn't get it done. And so if they ever don't turn the football over in those critical moments, they've got a really good shot of pulling that thing off. And so as I look at it, 15 points sounds about right. I think Ohio State probably barely covers that late, but I don't think this is a game that Ohio State's going to go in and steamroll the Cornhuskers by any stretch. I, I don't want anything to mess up the Big Ten before Michigan, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State. You think anything goes awry before those teams all get to each other? Um, I do think Michigan State, much like I thought was them playing Indiana prior to their bye week, and then with Michigan following that, you know, it could have been a trap game and end up winning the game 20 to uh, 15. It was kind of an ugly win. They're going to West Lafayette this week. They're taking on Purdue, uh, coming off an emotional win. Jalen Naylor, one of their you know top two receivers, if he had a cast on his end of his on his hand at the end of the Michigan game, probably won't be available you know this week and. You know, Purdue, they've got an explosive offense. You know, they've looked bad at times. You know, against Wisconsin, they look great at times against Iowa. And if they're able to put up points and stretch you vertically on the perimeter with David Bell, like, I think that there's a chance that this could get a little squirrely. Michigan State's only three-point favorites against Purdue. Um, I'd like to think that they'll be able to take care of this game. Uh, game historically, like, Michigan State kind of finds a way to lose right when everything's teed up for them to have a great year. 
So Malik Wilson played Syracuse with Liberty. Willis. Willis, sorry. Yep. Um, but we we get to see him against Ole Miss this this weekend. Uh, his biggest exposure to the nation. How, how big a game is this for him in terms of planting a flag um, as as a uh, big-time NFL prospect, maybe outside Heisman shot? I don't think he has enough probably notoriety right now. He's not recognizable enough to win the Heisman. You know, a lot of people don't know him unless you're a hardcore football fan. But going there, you know, duking it out with Matt Corral, like, or, uh, obviously – Ole Miss is a much more talented team. Uh, you got Hugh Freeze returning to the SEC, which I think is going to be great for everybody. But watching Malik Wilson first, he's really good, and I think he will surprise some people. Now I think Liberty has a chance at winning this game, uh, unless he plays absolutely out of his mind. But he's a very talented player, and I think he'll really open the eyes of the nation you know, with what he's able to do uh, you know, against the Rebs. Bobby, a lot of coaching news in the last week and a half or so. I, I want to run through a couple of these stories with you and, and get your thoughts on on what should be next for these programs. Starting with TCU, Gary Patterson had an unprecedented 21-year run of success, fallen on hard times recently. They're moving on. Based on what their AD said, they're clearly looking to go offense and modernize things from an NIL perspective and they think maybe Gary Patterson's a little bit old school for what they need moving forward. What do you think about TCU as a job and the direction they should move in next? You know, they've kind of struggled, like you said, and that's ultimately why Gary Patterson got fired the last couple of seasons. But, you know, you look back four, five, six years ago, I mean, they're, they're being left on the doorstep of the college football playoff. I mean, they're right there. Very talented team. He had recruited at a really high level. A lot of elite receivers. Um, you know, their offense used to be really explosive always been a defensive guy and you know Gary Patterson can kind of strike you as kind of curmudgeoning that's kind of you know my impression of him without ever meeting him kind of an old school guy rough and rugged guy all ball guy and so now I mean you're sitting there in Fort Worth right now there's jockeying because the Big 12 is going to be opening up and I think it's going to be that power vacuum of who can grab that when Texas and OU leave who can slide in there and become that preeminent force in you know the Big 12 conference, you know Cincinnati's coming in. Can they you know provide to it? Could it be a TCU? You know what do these schools look like? You know and and so I wouldn't be surprised if you see some different movement within the conference right now. If they're unhappy with their coach getting a head start on this, just the way TCU did, because they're in you know, the DFW Metroplex. There's a large opportunity for NIL stuff. People in Texas care about football. TCU was drawing well when they were having success. So I do think that there are opportunities there that, you know, Gary Patterson, he's a great football coach, but I don't think he was probably really interested in that side of the game. Yeah. And you could argue now with Oklahoma and Texas out, TCU's the best job remaining in, in the big 12. Um, so I think it's a very good job for someone. Another really good job is Virginia tech. They go to Boston college tonight. Both teams are four and four on the season. They're a three point favorite. If Virginia tech loses this game. Fuente's out. He may be out either way. Uh, with the Hokies. What do you think about Virginia Tech as a job? And if, in fact, they move in a new direction, what direction should they go? Goodness, that's that's a great question because it's tough to be the guy that follows the man and following Frank Beamer. I mean, he had so much success there. He was Virginia Tech football. I don't know if you're ever going to fully be able to recreate that. And that's, you know, a big piece of it is you're compared against a legend, a guy that can't lose any more games, and you forget about the bad times and only think about the good. I, 
it's a it's a good job historically, but it's I think it's a tough place to recruit to. You know, Blacksburg's it's not all that big. I mean, it's not that you know, sexy of a campus. You've got to do a good job of finding guys and bringing them in. You know, talking about Boston College, I think you know, there's a chance they could be looking for a new coach. With Jeff Hapley, I think he's been linked to some of these jobs as well. You know, he's done a really good job at BC. I think he's, he'll interview really well. And so there might be a lot more coaching movement this year, I think, in the ACC than what people anticipate. Bobby Carpenter with us. You can follow him on Twitter at bcarp3. Um, Bobby, we are headed to to Tuscaloosa for Alabama LSU, uh, which is a 28-and-a-half-point difference in Vegas where the tide favored by nearly 30. It might be up to 29 now uh, as we do this uh, chat. Uh, I'm curious, what is the only thing that can beat Alabama, Alabama, with their mental errors and just inopportune, uh, unforced errors that we've seen to this point in the season, and this has been a consistent theme for them throughout this year. And what would it take for LSU to actually make this game competitive? And I bring it up because I think a lot of people laugh at the idea that the Tigers could make it competitive, but I also saw what LSU did to Florida, and I saw what Florida did to Bama, and I saw what A&M did to Bama. What are we in store for tomorrow night? Well, you know, I know that LSU's had a number of guys opt out, and, you know, they've had some injury issues and all these things, but they still have one of the most talented rosters in college football. They've got elite players. They've recruited elite in-state guys. And so I think one of the things we can bring there, you start getting some explosive gains. I mean, they have a speed. They can take it the distance. You saw it against Florida. They have the ability to put up points. Now, are these guys willing to get up one last time to go try to, you know, salvage, I'd say, some of their year, especially some of the veteran guys saying, hey, you know what, we did have a great season, but we beat Bama you know, our last year with the program. And so I think that there might be a little bit of that. The expectation of those guys knowing that they're one of the schools that has taken Bama down, like they're not going to be scared of them, you know. But in all reality, it's Bama, like you said, it's it's their inconsistencies or what will ultimately cost them. And I don't know if that will happen Saturday against LSU. I hope this is a closer game because it's one historically I've always circled on the calendar. And I think that the Tigers have have something to make it close. I just don't know if they have enough to get over the top. How closely will folks in Ohio be watching Oregon and Washington? Uh, on ABC on, on Saturday night? I think pretty close. I think not only Ohio, uh, you know, Columbus, Cincinnati as well. Um, that's a team that, you know what, if they lose another game, it makes a life a lot easier for both the Bearcats, you know, and potentially, you know, the Big Ten champs, whether that's Ohio State or someone else. So that's a, you know, a big piece of what they've got going on. Washington's been playing a lot better since they beat or lost to Michigan earlier this year. They've gotten a little bit healthier, you know, their last two games, I mean, they've beaten Arizona and Stanford, obviously not much to write home about, but that does give them a little bit of confidence. They're only seven-point dogs in this game, and there's really only you know a handful of places that people show up in the Pac-12 to watch football games in person. That's Oregon, that's Utah, and that's Washington. So if they can get a crowd there, you can get it juiced up, get some energy in that building, I think that that can impact that game in a big way. How much are you guys talking about Odell Beckham Jr. in Ohio today? Oh, my. It has uh, been a topic of conversation here for for all week um you know it's tough he's a really talented player sometimes things just don't work out you don't want to ever see it you know rise to this level where you're cutting good players in season anybody i've never seen before guys paris if you want to do it do it known and say this is where we are but you know your dad doing it you're not discounting it and you're not having him take it down so obviously you're complicit in it 
Um, but I mean, it seems a little high school footballish to me. And we're talking about guys who are multimillionaires in the NFL. It's bizarre. And it's, it's happened again. It's very childlike. Yeah, right. it is. Bobby, great stuff, man. We always love when you come on with us each Friday, preview the college football weekend. Enjoy the games tomorrow. Oh, they're going to be a good one. There's always some that are great. You just have no idea who it's going to be when you wake up Saturday morning. Can't wait. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks. Have a good one. Bobby Carpenter has been our guest previewing the college football weekend. Coming up, we'll switch the gears and we will uh, discuss the NFL. Upset picks. Upset picks. Oh, yes. For uh, the the dogs uh, this week. Road dogs. Favorite time of the week. Tell you who I'm going with. Paul's got some props for you with FanDuel as well. It's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. Oh, yeah. OutKick Network rolls on. OutKick 360. Sixth and Peabody. You guys ready for some upset picks? Yeah, I am make ready. Us some money. I've got my FanDuel app open and ready to go. I'm ready to fire away, well, Hutton. I want to. Uh, I want to preface this by saying these are these are based on last night's spreads. Okay, Cardinals favored against the 49ers. The Saints are favored against the Falcons. This is as of Thursday night when I chose my outright upsets and bet them. I, I bet along with this for real. Uh, Fanduel.com slash OK360 is where you can do this. Um, the Let's start with Atlanta. My upset picks for week nine. The, the Falcons are road dogs by six points, according to what I saw. Yeah, still that. Trevor Simeon is starting for the Saints. And Alvin Kamara is their emergency quarterback this week. But yet... Matt Ryan and the Falcons go into New Orleans as six-point underdogs and a team that hasn't been playing all that bad. Now, they don't have Calvin Ridley. Their leading receiver has a leave of absence, which is bizarre, and we hope everything's fine with them. But again, he's not there. Kyle Pitts has been kept in check as of late. It's time for him to have a, a, a big rookie performance against that Saints defense that is really, really good. But I'm taking Atlanta to win outright. It pays well on the money line. I now. Like that. The other matchup that's interesting to watch later today on the West Coast with injury reports is with Kyler Murray. And this is why I'm taking the 49ers over the Cardinals this week. It's Kyler Murray's ankle, which was injured in last Thursday's game. Uh, Ten days later, he will not have practiced. Meanwhile, San Francisco just went on the road and won against Chicago. They're returning in what is a must-win for them to just keep pace for any playoff hopes against the leader of their division. So I'm taking the 49ers outright. I had them plus, or yes, plus one and a half uh, last night that, at FanDuel. That line right now at FanDuel is 49ers minus two. So that has shifted that quite a bit. That is no longer an upset hours. pick. What did that you is get at? Plus one and a half. And, and, I'm ta- I, and I, I took I, the outright winner. I'm betting the money line of the 49ers to win over the number one overall seed in the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals on the road at San Francisco. That's uh, my two picks. Now, I I nearly went with the Packers against the Chiefs because there is way too much respect given to Kansas City right now. I agree with that. Way entire. too much respect. And the, the reason I didn't is because of the unknown factor of Jordan Love. And again, I'm putting my money where my mouth is each and every week on these picks. So... I did not take Green Bay outright. I would take Green Bay in the points this week. I did not take Green Bay outright to win, 
Therefore, I'm not giving that as one of my selections today. All right, I got some uh, props. Some props here. I went one category heavy, so I'm betting four guys to be the leading yardage rusher uh, on Sunday games only, and I'm starting with James Conner. Now, Chase Edmonds is hurt. He may or may not play in this game. So this is a little bit of a flyer. And I'd bet Edmonds if Edmonds Edmonds isn't on the list now because he's hurt. But if James Conner plays, Edmonds has a bad shoulder. San Francisco allows 4.4 yards a carry, 127 yards a game. Arizona ran for 152 yards against them three or four weeks ago. Uh, Kyler Murray, as you just said, is hurt. He's probably running less. And I just at sixty five hundred. Yeah, I think uh, that's worth a couple bucks. Lamar Jackson has never. Mike Zimmer's never defended Lamar Jackson. Mike Zimmer is really? a puzzled man right now, and I can see the Minnesota Vikings completely butchering a game against a well rested Baltimore Ravens team right now. Ravens backs still a jumble. Uh, Lamar Jackson, say, breaks one off from 80 yards out, and all of a sudden he's on his way to a big day again. I'm playing odds here, plus 2,900 big. Aaron Jones, if the Packers are to beat the Chiefs, I think it's a run-based game with Jordan Love at quarterback. Jones has had two weak games in a row. I don't put much on NFC, AFC, but his last game against the AFC team He took 14 carries for 103 yards against Cincinnati. And finally, Alvin Kamara, Saints are going to be run heavy without Jameis Winston. Yes. And Atlanta is 26th against the run. You're getting plus 1,300 here. They would be run heavy with Jameis Winston, too. It's a good bet. But if you put $2 on each of these games and you hit on one, the worst-case scenario is you come out $18 ahead. Well, I put $5 on all of them, and I love all these bets. I bet on all of them. And I, I will say the James Conner bet with $5 will pay you 330 if he is the leading rusher this week. I mean, it's highly unlikely. But, I, I mean, and I think Edmonds winds up, winds up playing. I Paul, would, I took these bets because you. I thought it was guaranteed money. You <laughs> can play these as if they've already been played. Yeah, right? already, already I'll, been played. I'll give my 20 bucks back if but, they none of these But here's, here's, the, here's the one thing I would advise. Keep an eye on Chase Edmonds popping up on that list and bet him too. Yeah, Car- uh, excuse me, the, uh, Carolina. The Cardinals are banged up. Um, the, the rare banged up. Hold on now. I got to go make another bet. Uh, Chase Edmonds. He's, he's not on the list he's as of last night because, oh. because of his injury status. But I think, I, you know, when the injury report comes out later today, he'll probably be listed as questionable and then maybe he pops onto the list. Look, I well, take Edmonds this segment for both of you guys injury. as gospel, so I will be betting all of them. So don't be throwing any curveballs in there at the very end with something else you're thinking. Yes, I'm giving you a guaranteed plus 6,500. That's bet. perfect. Let's leave okay, it there. Leave it right That's there. what I'm doing. Paul's going to leave that on a voicemail later where you can call and, and hear yeah. the, the free pick. Got a barrier guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's um, like they've already been played, these games. Kyler Murray expected to play despite not practicing this week with that ankle injury. If he, misses, if he misses a game, it'll be his first start that he's missed in 40 consecutive starts for Arizona. Um, so can we play name that backup. That's always a fun game. It's it's almost as fun as your uh, oh, I know college who it is. versus uh, pro coaching salaries. 
It's the four. It's uh. I want to say Mike Glennon. It's that's Colt, my it's backup Colt for everybody. It's Colt McCoy. Yeah, Colt, McCoy, could do worse. Colt McCoy league, was huh? the backup in week one against the Titans. That's how I know. Yeah, you could do worse. Colt you could sequel. do better. It, <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. It feels like Colt McCoy's 42 years old. <laughs> but also, he's 35. I just looked it up. He's 35, but it feels like he's been around longer than Brady. But are you like me? It feels like you could say Colt McCoy is the backup for several teams and feel right. That's what I'm saying. Just he's like been Mike everyone's Glennon. backup yeah. at some point. Incredible. What a career. You know what? He's, he's our backup this week. We'll, we'll do it live. <laughs> we'll do Coming it live. Coming up, Brent Hubs, VolQuest.com. Big news on the Hill with the NCAA investigation coming to a close and a big game this week for the Vols as they travel to Lexington to take on the Wildcats. Brent Hubs joins us next to preview Vols and Kentucky.